Thanks for tuning in, creatives. I am really excited to bring this next installment of the Voices from the Expressive Therapy Summit uh, special series for 2023. This is episode three. And today you're going to hear a conversation with Dr. Charlotte Resnick. And the conversation is all about how she uses the power of imagination and visualization to create transformations for her clients. And um, you can just hear her passion and love for what she does uh, in uh, the way she communicates about it. And if you're interested in this topic, she's going to be presenting at the upcoming Expressive Therapy Summit uh, on April 22nd, and it's going to be a single session, uh, three hours, um, and it's going to be all focused on imagination and healing in children and teens, visualizing transformation from contemporary trauma. And so she's going to be uh, talking about how to use imagery and uh, visualization meditations in a way to help um, help children and teens uh, work through uh, and grow through uh, their experiences. Um, and you can find more about that at the summit's website, www.expressivetherapysummit.com. Dot com, and you want to click on virtual uh, virtual summits, and you should be able to find it there under April twenty second. And without further ado, here's our conversation. The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinicians Corner, a practice building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities, and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist podcast. I'm your host, Raina Lombardi, and I'm really excited to welcome my next guest to this episode of the Voices from the Expressive Therapy Summit special series. And her name is Dr. Charlotte Resnick. And she has dedicated her life to helping children, adolescents, parents, and professionals. She's a foremost authority on how to engage with and develop mindfulness, meditation, and imagination in children and teens. Dr. Resnick is also the author of the Los Angeles Times bestselling book, The Power of Your Child's Imagination, How to Transform Stress and Anxiety into Joy and Success. And she's a contributing author of the chapter, Imagery as a Therapeutic Tool with Children in Transformative in Imagery, Cultivating Imagination for Healing, Change, and Growth. Dr. Resnick is a child educational psychologist. She received her PhD from USC 
is a former UCLA Associate Clinical Professor of Psychology and was named Imagery International's Person of the Year in 2012 for the global impact of her work with children. She is known as a pioneer in therapeutic interventions with children and is the creator of Imagery for Kids, Breakthrough for Learning, Creativity and Empowerment, a mindful positive coping skills program. In addition to her private practice in Los Angeles, California, she creates therapeutic meditations for children, teens, and parents, blogs for Psychology Today and the Huffington Post, and is a frequent media consultant and teaches workshops internationally on the healing power of children's imagination. Thank you so much for being here to talk with me today. You know, it's a pleasure, Rena, to be with you. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, I'm excited. Um, meditation is something that I love. It's, I feel like, really transformed things for me on, on a personal level. And so I love that you're doing that with children. Um, what kind of brought you to that area in your work as a psychologist to really focus in on the imagination and meditation and mindfulness? I think, I think the one main word is desperation. I was actually working in the inner city as a psychologist in elementary schools. Like I'm, I might be the psychologist at one school where there are 1200 children, oh 800 God. of them were in dire straits. And I had my PhD from USC, my training there, but it didn't seem like anything regular is going to work, was going to work for the kids. You know, even like, even an opening comment, like, what would you like to do when you grow up? You know, I might hear a pimp or, you know, yeah. other things in that vein. And so they just weren't, I had to find something like to touch their soul, to open their hearts. And I, I just kind of feel like my whole life was leading me in that direction. Like when I was at university, I studied psychology and art. Growing up, and now I'm left-handed, so I'm kind of more right brain and more intuitive and creative. I had just started meditating myself, and this is a long time ago. And so I've, I've ran into a little bit of a course on using guided imagery because back then, you couldn't mention the word meditation anywhere. No, no. It was not, it was not okay. So I found that with my own training in that area, I work with a woman at UCLA who trained residents, psychiatric residents in a kind of an imagery approach. And so I, and then I started just reading and taking any courses, any information I could. And I sort of practice with the kids with the idea of, can I find a way for them to go inside and find the good that's inside and perhaps even imagine a better life for themselves. And by imagining it, they could then take the steps to go there. And so I was, you know, I think growing up, I used my own imagination myself a lot. And so it just seemed a natural flow. It seemed a natural way to go. I'm thinking about a little a little girl I knew, she was in fifth grade when I knew her. And I would go into the classes. I'd do like a little workshop for the teachers and whoever was interested, most of them were. I'd go into the class like once a week. Maybe we'd do 
uh, a meditation for, or we can call it guided imagery, you know, depending on the era, depending on the decade, mm -hmm. we call it different things. Because now mindfulness is very popular and big. And gosh, I have to tell you, I know this is like a little bit of a tangent, but I really feel mindfulness caught on a lot in America and the world because the word mind is in it and the word meditation is not. Yeah. But mindfulness yeah. is at its core, a form of meditation. Mm-hmm. So, so, okay, that's separate and that's wonderful. And so whatever we call it, I don't care. I might call it mindfulness. I might call it meditation or relaxation. Or, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. It's tapping in to the power of a child's imagination so they can help themselves. So they can also find some peace inside. Mm -hmm. And so that little fifth grader, one of the, one of the guided meditations we would do is imagining climbing a mountain of success. And the idea is the mountain is like a metaphor for life. And so as you climb, they're helpers with them. They're like animal friends that help them get up the mountain like a little, a little donkey, you know, carrying the goods. And then halfway up, you stop in a little cave, which helps them go into their unconscious, where they gather more information to reach the top. And as they reach the top, they see a figure in the distance and as it gets closer it seems like you know it, it sort of has their best qualities you know smart and funny and you know different qualities and as the figure gets closer they realize it's the best parts of themselves and they are able to hug that other person and really take it in oh that's so beautiful it's very beautiful. And some kids have an idea of what, they, what they'd like to succeed in. You know, doing well in school, getting along with their brother or sister, having more friends, being great in athletics. It could be nothing or it could be something specific. And then they'll get information to help them then take the next steps. And also when you're at the top of the mountain, you also see other mountains. So you know that you could reach this one and you could reach the next one and the next one. And I heard about her many years later, and she was like the president of her student body in high school. And she wow. said that she, whenever she got up to speak, you know, in front of the assembly, she would imagine herself on top of that mountain. That's incredible. I have the I mean, goosebumps. it brings tears. Yes, me too. Yeah. Even now, so many years later, I eventually left the working in the school system in the inner city and went just into private practice. And so I'm on the west side of LA and I see a lot of people on the higher socioeconomic level or high middle or high, you know, like a different level. Mm -hmm. But it turned out this inner work helps everybody because yeah. we all have a heart, we all have feelings. You know, maybe the details are different, but it's same at its core. Right. And so over time, I kind of developed inner tools to help kids. And that's what I wrote my book about. That's what I share when I do workshops. And, and the idea almost becomes like a mix and match approach. Once you learn your tools, like having a toolkit. Okay, what do we have to pull out now? Mm -hmm. Depending on the challenge that comes up. And so what I love about my, my premise is that all kids have wisdom, no matter what their age. I agree. How to access it. It's to teach them how to access that. Mm -hmm. Right. And no we, matter what. Isn't it interesting how often in society, I don't know what it is. I guess it's part of our, our systemic conditioning that 
it's almost like we teach kids not to listen to their inner wisdom instead of to really honor it. Well, I think something happens sometimes when the kids are more impulsive and they give you a very quick response that might not be coming from that centered place. It might be coming from fear or anger or worry. So the foundation for me is really meditation. But I don't, back then I didn't even use that word. And and the way to get into that wise place is through your breath. And so depending on who I'm speaking to, I might call it meditation or deep breathing or relaxing. It's the same idea. And for the younger kids and even some of the older ones, I like the visual of imagining a balloon below your belly button. And when you breathe in, the balloon gets bigger. And when you breathe out, it gets smaller. And that serves as a foundation to get into your center and to calm yourself. Yeah. And then to go to a special place where you feel safe and you could do your inner work. And then you could call on your helpers, whether they're animals or wizards or wise people or the older, wiser you, to help with situations, to give you gifts, to remind you of things. And the gifts could be something they actually give you, you know, like a little girl was shy and she got a speak up necklace so she could imagine the necklace around her. Right. Oh I know. I know. Your mouth is open. Right. And so cool. And or it could be something they advise you of or tell you. One boy was having trouble with bedwetting and he was nine years old. And, you know, below seven, people don't worry so much. But some of us, are the urine production doesn't shut down at night. So there's bedwetting. So I see a lot of kids with physical issues. And I don't mind if they have a physical issue because I know that imagery visualization can help them no matter what. So he, he called in his older, wiser self who had already conquered, mastered, and didn't have bedwetting. And it was a very simple message. It was never give up. And, and this is really cute. I mean, there are things I do for headaches and stomach aches and all that. But for bedwetting, what we did was we kind of, you know, draw a picture because we bring in the arts and mm-hmm. draw a picture of what the inside of the body looks like. And the idea is to check all the apparatus. So how how is the line from, you know, your urethra or wherever it's coming from? Are there any holes in it? Is there any weakness? Do you have to patch it up? Do you have to patch up the bladder? And so they do that work to strengthen their bladder and the urethra. And then we put a, an alarm clock, we set an alarm clock so that if it reaches like half full or three quarters full, it wakes you up. You go, you go to the bathroom, you pee, you come back and go back to sleep. And interesting, one boy came in and he said, the batteries died. So we had a, from then on, we added your, um, Duracell batteries, you know, the buddy that keeps going. That's so, so I love, I love that, like, they're so like, ingenious in their ideas and concepts um it's beautiful and everyone's different you know that's what's so that's also so beautiful because we have the tools and then everyone comes up with something different one little girl who was terrified about falling asleep she was really scared you know even though she was in a good neighborhood she had an alarm she had a dog she was still terrified she couldn't close her eyes to go to sleep so she imagined she called in an animal friend, a protective animal friend that would protect her. 
And she imagined Valcor, which turns out to be from a movie, The Ever Never Ending Story, although I didn't know at the time. A big white dragon who wrapped himself around her bed and kept her safe. And she put a tiger by the door just in case. And so from that, she was able to close her eyes enough. And actually, then she was listening to one of my meditations to help her sleep. Uh, and, and that worked really well. In a few weeks, she started worrying about her brother and her parents. So Valcor sent his cousins to watch. <laughs> I know I crack up every time. <laughs> sent his cousins to watch over the brother and the parents. And she felt more comfort. And then a few months later, she must have mentioned to a friend, you know, on the yard, maybe she was 11, I don't know. Um, and, and, and the friend said she used her, she said she used her imagination to help her sleep. And the friend said, that's stupid. <laughs> Just your imagination. And she said, no, my fears come from my imagination. So I had to go into that realm to fix them. Oh my goodness. What? that's such a breakthrough like evidence of like how mm -hmm. she internalized what she learned so yes. powerful because yes. it's true right our brain doesn't discriminate between what is real and imagined right and oftentimes we're creating these fears but it's our imagination that's so strong <laughs> yeah so instead of using all those worry for bad for evil that scares all these kids we're going to turn it around and use it for good. Like what it. could help you? What is your pain trying to tell you? If your pain was your friend, what does it want you to know? What does your headache want you to know? Rest more, drink more. You know, every everyone's so different. And that for me brings me a lot of joy because it's not like I'm not working in a factory. You know, I'm working with human souls that have, they're just precious and amazing. And I'm thinking of one teen and I was, you know, getting to know her and I said, well, did you ever do meditation or yoga? And she said, oh, my mother does that. So I said, oh, okay, we're just going to do some breathing. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> I, yeah, it's interesting. I often encounter um, in kids and adults when, when I bring up, well, what kind of breath work do you do? What, you know, how do you manage your breath? Mm -hmm. um, what kind of breathing techniques are you familiar with? Oh, I tried that. Breathing doesn't work. Right. Right. And, right. What, how do you address that? You know, I when somebody a, is. Yeah. From the, I think that's a very important point, a very important point to consider because I'm thinking of one little girl, just like last week, her mom told me we made her a breathing stick kind of with um, pipe cleaner, favorite color pipe cleaner, make a snail on one end, put 10 beads on it, make another snail on the other and then just you could use your bead to take a breath you could use your bead to take a breath slow breath because it gives you something to do and uh, i guess she was nervous about falling asleep and she her mother gave her a breathing stick and said okay i want you to do this and she said no it's not gonna work it doesn't work and the mom said okay just do it <laughs> so she she did 10 breaths and then the mom said okay do it again and she did it four times and she was very relaxed and went to sleep by then. So wow. it was kind of funny. So she was just, okay, let's just try it. But really the trick is not to do it, not to practice when you need it. It's mm -hmm. to practice when you don't need it, just for fun. 
-hmm. because it's kind of like you're under pressure. It's really hard to turn to something that you don't know. Right. Even if you're having a test, if you haven't like overstudied, I always tell kids, if you know, you, if you're nervous, you're not going to remember. So just do it for fun. In fact, I'll often say, I don't want you to use it when you, you know, when you need it, just do it for fun. And so it has to be more of a like nonchalant kind of thing. Yeah. You know, even like, so it depends how jaded the child is. Some of them are very jaded, you know. I can't, one can't always compete with the aggressive video games that they play. Although I feel that meditation or going inside is a good anecdote. Mm -hmm. It's a good balance and it's even more important. So, and even, you know, with COVID, that was pretty, this has been pretty intense. I can't even yes. say we're out of COVID because obviously we're not. My friend's no. daughter just got COVID yesterday. You know, it was like, really? We're still, we're still, mm -hmm. Less fewer people are, are dying, but still it's 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 an issue. So part of what you know I'm gonna be talking about, or I will talk about, or I do talk about, is the kids were so traumatized from being isolated. How yes. do we move out of this? How do we heal? How do how do we be okay again? Because mm -hmm. so many kids that were look, March in March 2020, we shut down. And then the schools were really, most schools were closed mm -hmm. for a full year. And maybe kids were going back, in, at least in, in my area, in the areas I've heard about, maybe in April of 2021. And they did the Zoom classes the first year that those last few months were, it was nightmare. sad because it was a nightmare, right? And then so many kids were so isolated, not seeing their friends. And that was the worst thing for them. The kids that did best, either had siblings to get along with, you know, so they had someone to hang out with and play with, or the kids that were in pods. So like my neighbor and my neighbor's neighbor, you know, three kids were all taking school in one person's house and they all got together and played and didn't feel so isolated. Kids were getting the teenagers that I was working with were getting very, very depressed, suicidal. There's one girl I'm thinking about, as soon as she got back to school and saw her friends, she was like, happy girl again you know, or mm -hmm. much happier. So we want to use the same tools that in, in these other areas, whether it's, you know, school or sleep or headaches or stomach aches or anger, we want to use them for dealing with COVID and the after effects and appreciating that it was really tough. And I was, I met uh, several kids. I just saw them, you know, online for mm -hmm. a year and a half. And then um, once we have vaccines, I was able to get an office. And so seeing the same girl throughout COVID online and then working with her in person was a big, very big difference. Mm -hmm. Very big. Oh, totally. I, I live in Florida. And so Florida mm -hmm. is kind of rebellious in terms of how they deal with things. And so, um, you know, it was like, let's pretend like this doesn't really exist. They didn't really, we shut down mm -hmm. for like a teeny tiny moment. <laughs> and, and then, you know, it, 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 everything was back, but kids school was affected because even when they did go back into school, it was like mm -hmm. every week they were shutting down or they, you know, they had to be on, um, what was Zoom. that word? Zoom, Zoom because they, they were exposed 
or, right. some, or like it, there was an outbreak in the classroom. I mean, right. it was just, it was really, really tough. But I, I remember too, the kids were so happy to be back in the office because we would meet online at first mm-hmm. it was okay. And then it was like, I don't want to be on the computer any anymore. I'm like, right. you know what? That is totally fair. We're going to reduce the amount of time we're spending in an appointment. We're not going to do a, an entire appointment the way we would if you came in the office. It was too much for them. They already had been zoomed out all right, day long. Right. Right. I, I just feel that um, going over with this girl and to were like processing what she went through, everyone realizes it was really, really tough. And there are definite effects on long-term effects on kids. And I'm sure there are many dissertations studying this. Oh, <laughs> I bet. So, I bet. So, but I also feel that the imagination is so powerful. You can practice things in your mind's eye. We know that with athletic athletics, right? Um, peak performance, mm-hmm. peak performance. All all the colleges and Olympic teams have sports psychologists that help them. And I've worked with kids who are you know aiming to go to the Olympics, and we use visualization a lot. And um, the kids can use it to to create better friendships when they return to change, you know, depending on what they want to change, they could practice it. They could role play it. I tell them about, you know, Michael Phelps who won all those gold medals in swimming and he would use visualization all the time. And he would imagine all the things that could go wrong. You know, maybe his goggles fall off or his pants fall down or, you know, like something's going wrong. It's his head. <laughs> and so he he's trying to practice over and over in his head to create new neural pathways so that if something happens, he can respond very quickly and he doesn't lose too much time. Yeah. And so um, there was a study a while ago with basketball shooting baskets from the foul line. And there were three groups and one group, it was like three weeks, right? So one group practiced every day for 20 minutes, one group just visualized and one group didn't do anything. So do you imagine, can you imagine what the results were after three weeks? I imagine that the folks that were practicing and the folks that were visualizing far exceeded those that didn't do anything. Um, But I would imagine there's some, some, you know, pretty close um, results in those two groups. Like 23 and 24% improvement. So it's not really it was the same. And the ones that didn't practice, didn't do anything, improved zero. Wow. So that means when we're stuck at home and we can't play soccer with our friends, you could use that time to visualize. And what's helpful is to be very specific. So like with the basketball study, you want to imagine it hitting the hoop and going in or changing your hand position. So the more detailed you get, the more positive the results can be. So think about all the things they missed. And this is for any kid that's sick or out or can't go to school or, but during COVID, especially they can Mm -hmm. imagine conversations they might have with a friend so that when they're there, when they see them again, they're not quiet and super shy. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it goes back to, we all have wisdom inside. If we're centered, something can happen. 
when we check in. Like we talked about, you know, animal friends are older, wiser, but I also, the whole other part is connecting with the wisdom of the body. Kind of like check in with your heart and your belly. What does your heart tell you? Every day, you know, when kids leave my office, I have a little little basket, a little thing with heart mes message cards. And it's really fun even to make your oh, own. I love that idea. Right. So the, great. Be you. The world needs you. Ah. You're doing great. Keep going. You make a difference in someone's life. So I think that's a beautiful expressive art where you can make. I have a picture when I was speaking in Zurich doing a workshop. So they made heart messages and wrote in German. So of course I didn't understand it, but they told me. <laughs> oh, that's such so a brilliant can... idea. I used to work in a practice where oh. we had like a treasure box and they could choose a treasure box, uh, which was great. And they loved that. But I love mm -hmm. the heartfelt messages that they can yes. take with them and, you know, hold on to as a reminder. And then they can make a bunch for themselves. Check in with your heart. I haven't tried to check in with your What's your heart say? What's your gut tell you? I grew up in New York City, even though I live in La La Land. I did grow up in New York. So I have that tough, you know, if I feel, if, I, if I'm at a street and it doesn't feel right, I leave. I don't wait to see if I'm going to be mugged. You know, I just go in the other direction. So you want the kids to trust their intuition. And part of what we're doing is helping them develop that muscle to mm -hmm. trust them. And as you said a little bit earlier, sometimes people, parents, teachers, whatever, don't think kids really have wisdom, but we all yeah. do. Mm -hmm. It's part of who we are. It's just accessing it. And then I'll start them out with the meditation. We'll start with three breaths, you know, like eyes open and then eyes closed. And then ask them, could they feel the difference? I'll close my eyes too, you know, mm -hmm. so they don't feel weird. But I do feel there is a difference between eyes open and eyes closed. I know we can't force anyone, but they tell me they're more relaxed because you're blocking out all the stuff around you and you're connecting with yourself. Right. And even if your mind is going because... It doesn't matter. Your mind's going to be going all the time. It. I've been meditating for 35 years or more or something crazy like that. And so, yeah, I could go to a place often where my mind isn't going, but sometimes it is going. And that's okay because something is still happening when you're breathing and focusing on your breathing. Mm -hmm. And so kids, it's easier to give them like a little story, a little guided meditation. So it helps them move along with that. It helps and me too. I, I, do a lot of guided stuff because if I don't have that, then my mind is thinking about, oh, who knows what? And so focusing on somebody else's voice and, you know, taking me on a journey, it just, it helps me to stay in the process. Right. Versus... And not get too caught up in yourself and your own worries. So the, you know, the trick is you say, if you're thinking, if you notice you're thinking, you just go, okay, I'll go back to your breath. Or for kids, sometimes they put their thoughts in a little box or a balloon and it flies away. Mm -hmm. Even if it comes back, they can go back to the balloon. That's very good for those, you know, those worries that don't go away. Like, yeah. my mom's going to die. My mom's going to die. She's going on a plane. She's going to die. So we could let them go and keep letting them go. And also be in the moment right now. Nothing terrible is happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I use a lot of their art because it's beautiful to see what they do with their art. 
it's a little sad sometimes. You'd be surprised. Kids at young ages don't think they could draw, and they're a little shy. Yeah, I've noticed yeah. that too more, um, that younger and younger, that um, I don't know if it, like perfectionism of like, if it doesn't come out exactly how I imagine in my head, the, mm -hmm. there's just a very low frustration tolerance and they'll crumble it up, destroy it and shut yep. down. And it so can I, happen you know, so quick. It's art. I just say it's art. It's not a photograph. It's if we wanted the perfect example, it'd be a photograph. It's your int interpretation. And a lot of the kids are able to hook on to that, you know, like, Oh yeah, it's art. I can change it or not. Or what they'll do is they'll go through a lot of paper, but if they make a mistake, oh, let's, how can we bring it into the art? Or, you know, just let's just scribble. And then what do you see in the scribble? And let's mm -hmm. make a drawing from that. But I'll have them draw what their fear looks like, you know, what doesn't yes. have a face or have a shade. Also in, in terms of that, to, for them to get in touch with where they keep all these feelings in their body. There was this wonderful movie, you've probably seen it, Inside Out. That was a bunch of years ago. And hopefully <laughs> yes. they're making a second one. But after that, all the so many kids I know saw it that first weekend and I didn't. I saw it the second weekend. And they all said, Oh, you're gonna love it and it's gonna make you cry. You probably, if you remember, there's a point where you cry. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but everyone should watch it. But we had the best sessions after that because it really engaged the kids. And so <clears throat> where do you keep your fears? What color is it? What shape is it? Where do you keep your happy feelings? And so then we work with it with their imagination. Yeah. So like if their fear is in their belly and it's black, what's two anecdotes? What are two feeling anecdotes for that? So it might be love, it might be happy, it might be calm. So then we, where are they in your body? And then, so we'll do breath work, but we'll breathe in that happy yellow color into the fear in the belly and then mm -hmm. spread the happiness out throughout your whole body and know mm -hmm. this, what happens. And then breathe in, the second one might be love, breathe in the pink love to the um, worry and spread it out. And then I'll off, you, you might do this also, the zero to 10 scale was like, okay, where's your fear? It's yeah. 10, where's your happy? One. So then they see afterwards how much they can increase the positive and decrease the negative. And then we have a conversation, you know, whatever's left, or maybe we start at the beginning, what's, what's your fear want to tell you? And so we all work together because that's so much fun. And it's such a good way to see things change, like their stomach aches go away or their headaches go away or you know, the fear, you know, gets a little smaller. If it gets bigger, then I said, wow, that's really powerful. You can make it bigger. Now let's make it a little smaller. Mm, the like idea that. is, yeah, is that they're empowered. They feel they have some effect on their life. So the, mm -hmm. you were saying a child would say, it's not going to work when you breathe. So it's mm -hmm. like, once you show them, they can have some effect, then that's great. That's great. Yeah. And just want to give them the tools because stuff is going to happen all the time. There's right. always things happening. Yeah. The, the idea that we're going to be void of uncomfortable emotions, like that we could get to a place where we don't feel that that's not how we're designed. <laughs> well, and also, you know, as parents, you want to protect your kids and you might yeah. not. Yeah. It's like too much sometimes to find balance. How much to share with the world? So many kids are happy because they never see the news. They're just, you know, living their life. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that might change when they're teenagers and it might not. They might still not know the news. I try to ignore the news myself. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah. The podcast is much better. (laughs) Sometimes friends will say, how how do you not know about that? I'm like, well, I don't watch the news and I don't, I really try not to read the news unless it's something that I'm really seeking out specifically uh, because it it's there's so much fear and... there's a lot of fear and infects our children it re- I see a lot of kids with a lot of fear and a lot of the fear there's no really well now we could see the COVID there was that's been a problem like I'm saying yeah. a new girl that has a lot of germ fear but how can we transform it? What can we do to take the steps to get it a little bit smaller? Even if it's in your imagination and you're imagining it getting smaller, that's a help. And mm. for them to know that they have some power in making their world better and making their their world a better place. And that's probably why I'm a psychologist and not a sociologist because sociology is with the group and I'm the individual. And I feel one person at a time can make, you know, they could do that too. You know, I say all the time, um, like part of my, part of my values in my practice is the, the health, the health and wellness of the community is measured by each individual in the community. And there's value in working with individuals. Yes. Uh, you know, at, because and both is true. Both are true, right? Mm-hmm. It's just another aspect. Yeah. So, yep. The, the work of the individual work is important. And, um, we went through a really devastating hurricane in October mm-hmm. here in my community. Right. And it, it really, really devastated a lot of people's lives. People are still homeless and it was scary. Of and course. so we're still seeing the, the, the fear aftermath of that. And I'm sure as we approach this next hurricane season, in a couple of months, that's going to bring up um, a new set of uh, symptoms for people once the storms start rolling in. And for um, children, too, because mm-hmm. it affects them how their parents are doing. So, you know, yes. that's the biggest thing, right? So if if the parent is sort of freaked out, understandably, a lot of times, and the child's going to be more heightened, and more anxious. It's like the idea of trauma. The closer you are to the trauma, the big, the more it affects you. So yes. if it if the adults are, are, are freaking out and very, very fearful, so you really have to take care of yourself first. Before you mm-hmm. could, you know, it's kind of like the airplane with the oxygen on your stuff. Yeah. And, but I, it's very possible. It's kind of like reduce your life. Okay, what do I have to do now? I have to stock up on water. I have to mm-hmm. get wood for the windows, you know. Right. Do what you can. That's all you could do. But don't wait and think, oh, I'm going to be fine. But prepare. That's the whole idea. When you use your imagination, you want to imagine how you like it to be. And now we can take the steps to get there. Like, what's the first obstacle um, for getting along with my, you know, my sister more? And, okay, the first obstacle is her annoying behavior. (laughs) Okay, what can we do? Well, we could um, imagine her like a silly, you know, clown. 
laughing and I laugh from that. So it doesn't matter. It's just something, whatever you imagine you could work with, whatever the kids imagine they could work with. I agree. It's kind of like what's going on. How would you like it to be? Would mm-hmm. you be willing to learn some new tools to help yourself? Yeah. So I've spoken at the Expressive Therapy Summit many times from New York, from Washington, virtual, you know, a lot of virtual the last several years. And so I hope that I have so much experience that I could just speak on any aspect, depending on what the questions are. Mm-hmm. So if you ask a question, I'll have something that went on that and would be helpful. And so in this upcoming event, you're going to be, um, your workshop is on April 22nd. And the focus is going to be on imagination and healing in children and teens, visualizing transformation from contemporary trauma. Right. And it's really talking about COVID, but we could use any trauma that's happening. The shootings, you know. Yes. You know, any trauma that's serious in someone's life. And how do we move forward? And, And you can with the power of your imagination and having some tools that you could play with and help yourself. And the idea is, I don't know how long it's going to take, but it's going to be, uh, we're going to be successful. Just Mm -hmm. stick with it. And everyone's different. There's not a cookie cutter approach. Like when you take a medicine, you take it for seven days and the bacteria goes away, but it's, you could make a change in your own life and you can make a change in the kids' lives that you work with or the families you work with. There's a little, there's a little boy that I work with a while ago and he's very, very anxious and we used his imagination to help him. And there's a little documentary, a short documentary, like seven minutes coming out on it. Oh, and it's, I, cool. I believe, um, you know, if people are on my newsletter, I'll let them know when it comes out. Because I don't want to say exactly where it is because it might not happen, you know, might yeah, not go yeah. up there, but I'm pretty sure. But it tells the story, tells such a beautiful story of how he was able to use his imagination tools to help himself and how well he's doing. And um, I guess I watched it recently a couple of times and each time I tear up because it's so touching to see a little person that's been suffering to move out of that. Yeah. And that that's, that's my passion. And that's what I'm I'm here to do to not only do it with the kids I work with, but all the adults that I share, you know, speaking with or workshops with or the book, you know, just that's the point to make a difference in this world. And I think everyone can if they find their own passion and find what they love to do. Yeah, I I love that. I agree. I think it's important for us to be passionate because that's what gives us the energy to keep going when it's really difficult because Mm -hmm. although you've shared a lot of beautiful transformative stories, there's a lot of toughness that you went through to get there. Right. And that's true for all of us, but if we're doing something and we don't have the passion, it just makes it Mm -hmm. so much harder to get through it. Um, but certainly, uh, the outcomes are like light up the heart Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that is like, so re-energizing to keep going and do more and, um, and share our gifts with the world. And thank you for being here today and sharing yours. 
Oh, you're welcome. I'm so happy to be, and I, I can't wait to connect with the listeners. Yeah. So if listeners wanted to find more about you, your practice, mm -hmm. the products and services that you provide and offer, like you were talking about the downloadable meditations that you use with kids, where can they find that information? I think the easiest is to go to my website, imagery4kids.com. With the F-O-R being the four. Imagery4kids.com. So we'll yeah. put put that in the show notes. And you also had a freebie for listeners if they wanted. If they wanted, yes. If they're a parent or know any parents, they'll get the top 10 things that kids want and need from their parents. And they they just sign up for my newsletter and that comes to them immediately. Awesome. And I'll put that then, link for that in the show notes too. Yeah. I don't like barrage people with like, some people send emails every day. No, 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 no. Once in a while, they'll get what's coming up or something interesting, like sending out a, a newsletter about the expressive arts yeah. summit. <laughs> I send it out. I send weekly to like, you know, when the show airs, we send out a newsletter that, you know, features mm -hmm. that. Usually there's a little like writing um, in there, which is, you know, geared at helping therapists in their practice. Um, but I don't know how people do it every day. I no, don't have the no, time. No, no. I, I really have this. <laughs> this is a cute thing. I'm left-handed. There's only 11% of the population that's left-handed. I'm guessing you're right-handed, but so I have a special place in my heart. And so we did, um, did a segment for the, the Sunday morning CBS today, you know, Sunday morning show with Jane Pauley. It's it's oh, a lovely okay. show. It's been on forever, and so I have a I have the whole seven minute clip for all the people in left handedness. I was on. And then we have the little clip with me with the kids, and so that's on my website. You know, it's like my TEDx talk is on the website. You know, like fun things to look at awesome. and to learn from, and a ton of blog articles. It's very cool pictures. <laughs> Imagery is important. <laughs> yes, yes. In fact, some of the. Some of the drawings from some of times where I've spoken is on there and some of the photos I've taken when I, in my travels is on there and um, you might not know it, but you, you might have to tell. <laughs> it's just, you want to include anything expressive when you're working with children or when you're a creative psychotherapist, right? Yes, most definitely. People, if they come into my office, they're like, this doesn't look like a therapy office. Um, because it, it, I mean, it has a little bit of component to that, but there's, you know, there's so much creative material to draw from. There's fabric to create puppets. There's sand tray, there's miniatures, there's painting materials, sculpting materials, right? So whatever, whatever a kid feels drawn to, they have, mm -hmm. they have access to it. I like to think I have like every marker out there or pretty much every marker. I always tell the kids, if I don't have it, tell me. I even brought back markers from Prague. There was a department store, an English department store, Hanley's. And they have these great markers. You can used to get them here, a Crayola, but you could change it to one color. But those from Prague and Hanley's in England, you could change to two colors. Ooh, Very exciting. Fun. You know, each, <laughs> I was just... <laughs> that's a great way to establish rapport. I just start taking out the markers. 
you know or the clays or I am surprised Crayola has a set of markers and they're smelly and one is yes. stinky one is stinky oh. smells and one is silly like sweet smells and I don't, I don't like the stinky one <laughs> I I hate the stinky ones however they kids. are a hit with the kids <laughs> they it's love like the them. jelly beans it's like <laughs> jelly beans some are sweet and some are like you oh, know yes, really the jelly bellies yes yeah so you are a better person than i am because i will not have stinky smells <laughs> around i draw my line <laughs> i draw the line there anyway and i also because i see teenagers also through college I in this new office after COVID, especially, um, I I hide everything. So you know, I have a cabinet, so everything's closed, and I have beautiful baskets or something with everything in it. So everything's organized, but doesn't look like a totally you know creative button store or something. Well, that's that's a that is nice. In an ideal world, I would have that. <laughs> But my, it's not ideal and that's okay. I can accept where it is right now, which is clear bins organized. Clear bins, so you can see what's in them. So you can see what's in them, but they do kind of get awry sometimes. Um, but yeah. That's cute. I just love it. It's so much fun, isn't it? We just have so much fun and I uh, wouldn't, wouldn't do anything else. This is all I'm good for. <laughs> well clearly well clearly you know you wrote you you're a writer and a speaker so you're you know you're good for quite a few things <laughs> <laughs> all about working with kitties right <laughs> so um, we have a lot of we we do and you're right it's very serious I take a lot of the kids that come to me it's very intense and what their issues are but I like to have a light-hearted approach a lot just mm -hmm. Because you have to laugh sometimes. It's too painful to just yes. go into that. Absolutely. So if I could pull them out out of that well mm -hmm. of sadness or depression and give them, offer them an arm out and help them with some tools that they could use whenever for whatever, that, yeah. that, that's, good. that's a good job. It is a good job. It's an important job. And, um, and clearly oh. there's a need. So we're, we're not going to be out of a job anytime soon. That's for sure. No, not anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that on many levels, but it would be okay if the world is. It would be, it would be, I mean, there's, yeah, it's, there's both but sides I... of the coin. It's like, it's great that we're needed and that we have a valuable uh, service to perform. And it also like, it would be wonderful if, kids were if all humans were thriving and that there wasn't such a need for mental health services in the that's way that they I are picture. now that's what I visualize mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a good thing to imagine mm -hmm. yeah. well thank you so much I am so I just loved our conversation today and Me inspired too. by um, the work that you're doing and it resonates so much with a lot of uh, things that I do with kids too and so it's always nice to speak with somebody else yes. uh, you know doing yes. that work and yeah so for folks that are interested 
in learning from you. That's going to be April 22nd. And you can find that on the expressivetherapysummit.com website. And it's going to be under the virtual sessions tab. And then you mm -hmm. can look on April 22nd and you can find it and, and register there. And the great thing is it's going to be virtual. So anybody can join from wherever. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's what I learned during this pandemic. I see kids from and families from all over the country now. So the California people would be under therapy and then I'll do coaching for the others. But I just feel it's a, I did a um, couple of meditation groups for tweens and teens through the pandemic and they're all over the country. That's awesome. A, a little like herding cats at the beginning, but <laughs> it wound up very, very beautiful. <laughs> very cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for doing this and for having this awesome podcast series. Thank you. That makes my heart happy. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for listening to the Creative Psychotherapist podcast. So glad that you continue to tune in. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us grow our listenership and get all of these amazing stories and the work of the fabulous therapists that we interview and, and share with you in the ears of lots of other people. So thanks again. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this third episode of the Voices from the Expressive Therapy Summit a special series for 2023. Uh, I really loved talking with uh, Charlotte. Um, her love and passion for her work really uh, shines through in the way she talks about it. And of course, as an art therapist, um, how could I not resonate with that, the power of imagery in order to create change? Um, and so again, if you're interested in learning more from her or any of the other amazing people that are teaching at any of the variety of the Expressive Therapy Summits in 2023, head over to their website and check it out. There's something um, going on in Sedona. There's going to be a summit in Chicago this year in the, in the summer, I think in June. Um, so there's lots of opportunities opportunities to learn both in person and online. Um, and you can do that at www.expressivetherapysummit.com. All right, take care and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.